0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now.
1: All week long, I have been praying and thinking about a generation here in Lubbock that would be willing to lay down their lives for God. I mean, I I realize, and I know you realize, guys, and, and we can all understand that we're here in the Bible Belt, and we can understand that there are people who simply claim Christianity. I get that. But my prayer was a little bit deeper. I was praying, guys, for a group of people who would be willing to follow Jesus, even if it means that they won't make a whole lot of money in this life. I know as we grow up we think man I'm you know going to I'm going to hit that corporate ladder I want to I am and, and there's nothing wrong with with wanting to provide for your family and there's nothing wrong with with wanting to to be a good steward with with God's money there's nothing wrong but but I'm looking and I'm praying about a generation that's, that says man I'm going to follow Jesus even if I don't make a whole lot of money
2: or or
1: I'm looking for a group of people who would be willing to follow Jesus, even if it means, listen, even if it means they would lose some of their best friends. Oh, not that we're obnoxious and we go, listen, we're Jesus and we're going to hit you over the head with the Bible, but that we're so in love with Jesus that, that it might. Or, or maybe that, that, you know, it might mean that you don't get promoted at work because you follow Jesus. Jesus. Well, Ben, don't you know where we live? We live in the Bible Belt. I mean, come on. No, 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 I'm talking about serving and following Jesus to the point where where I
2: mean, I mean, you realize that that it's not the same. I'm praying for a group of people who
1: would be willing to follow Jesus even if it means they would end up losing their lives here on earth. You see, guys, following Jesus Following Jesus reminds us that it's not about this life. It's about Jesus. And at Calvary Chapel, we have what we call core values. And one of our core values, guys, let me give you an example. Our first core value as a church is it's it's, it's all about Jesus. We will preach the gospel with all of our heart, then die and be forgotten. Why? Because it's all about Jesus. And we have to be so careful because the moment we make it about us, and I say that sincerely from behind this pulpit. The moment we make it about us is the moment that we lose the anointing of God's Holy Spirit. Before we jump into our study, I'd like to remind you about our vision. Our vision at Calvary Chapel. Fifteen years ago, we pulled in. The Lord says, what's your vision? What do you what do you see for Lubbock, Texas? And I go, God, I don't know. I mean, I'm here. I start a Bible study. I don't know. He said, no, no, no. What do you really want to do? And part of our vision was really simple. It says this that we were to teach people to love God, teach people the Word of God so that we, they would fall in love with God. And then, of course, we know that you see this. It says we're supposed to love God, we're called to love God, love people, and live radically. And you go, Yes, but here's my thought on this. We have to ask ourselves a very serious question. You go, What's that, Pastor Ben? What does it really mean to love God? If our vision says teaching people to love God and you give me a hearty amen, if I say, you know what, we're called to love God, love people, live radically, and you go amen to that. But then, but then we've got to ask, what does, it really mean? what does it really mean to love God? The problem is, is when it comes to love, we can interchangeably use this word for many things. For example, many people will say, I love God. And in the same sentence, say, I love ice cream. Many people will say, man, I love my wife, I love my husband, and in the same breath say, I love pizza. You go, Pastor, your point? I hope that we can discover and understand that our love for God has to mean so much more than our love for ice cream or pizza. You see, if our vision is teaching people to love God, we really need to know what it means. You go, why? Listen, to get where we're going as a church, to get where we're going as believers, I believe we need to ask ourselves these questions. You ready? If you're taking note, you can jot them down. Number one, how much do you really love God? How much do I really love God? It's a good question to ask. How much do I love God? The second question would be, What is our motivation for serving Jesus? What is our motivation for serving Jesus? What what gets us up in the morning to come and do what we do? What's our motivation? Those are good questions to ask. Before we jump in and answer those questions, let me remind you what we discovered last week. If you recall, Peter, we got to love Peter, Peter and the gang, well, most of the gang, were at the Sea of Tiberias, which is also the Sea of Galilee, okay? Jesus said, hey, guys, meet me there. Meet me there. We're going to discuss future plans. It's going to be great. Well, listen, from our text, we discovered that Peter decides to go fishing. He says, I'm going fishing. Well, the other six fella goes, I guess we'll go with you. Now, I want to make this clear. The text does not tell us why. We don't know why Peter went out fishing. But I'm going to give you two schools of thought. Number one, they said, hey, Peter looked around, said the Messiah has gone. He's accomplished, I guess, what he wanted to accomplish. He died on the cross. I've already seen him. He's risen. I'm not sure what's next, but I got bills to pay. I'm going fishing. Got to pay the bills. Okay, Pete, sure. I mean, I don't know... Peter's really that kind of rational man, but okay, we'll give him that. Another school of thought was, no, 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 no. Peter was discouraged by his actions. If you recall, just a few days earlier, he was boasting to the gang, I will die for you, Jesus. I'll lay down my life for you. And then just a short time later, he's like, I don't even know the man. And the Bible says that he even cursed and said, I don't know who Jesus is. And then the rooster crowed, and he looked at Jesus, and Jesus looked at him. I don't know if he's discouraged. I know I would be. And so if he's discouraged, he decides, well, I'm going to go back to what I know. I guess, I'm, I guess I've blown it. I guess I've crossed the line. I, I can't serve Jesus. And maybe I'm not even a disciple, Robbie. I don't know. And so he goes what? The Bible says that he goes back. You see, Jesus had called him to be a fisher of men, but now he's on the Sea of Galilee being a fisher of fish. Now, most people believe it's the latter, the second school of thought, based on Luke chapter 5.11. Chapter 5, verse 11 says this, So when they had brought their boats to the land, they, speaking of the fishermen, they forsook all and followed him. That's why people go, wait a minute, you had said, no, I forsaking all, I'm going to follow Jesus. And most people believe that because they forsook, they forsook the fishing business and follow Jesus. Now, note the story with me just as a run ago. Look at verse 3 of chapter 21. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we're going with you. And they went out and immediately got in the boat. And that night they caught nothing. Now, remember, the fishermen would fish at night, right? That's where the fish would come up. They would, they, these are professional fishermen and they're toiling and working and fishing and throwing in the nets and bringing it back up all night long. And the Bible says they caught nothing. They caught nothing. But early in the morning, Jesus stood at the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus, and Jesus calls out to them, Hey, children, fellas, you have any food? You catch anything? And, of course, their answer was no, no. Now, notice with me the miracle in verse 6. And he said to them, well, cast your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. This is crazy. This is crazy. Who is this fella? What do you mean, who is he? But I guess at this point, you're so tired, they're like, look. Okay, Just do it, just I I don't know. But they did it, guys, and it said, and it says, listen, and now they were able they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. That is a miracle. Now, the one thing we must remember, guys, is it's not about the fish, but about the Savior. See, John now recognizes, hey, it's Jesus. That's the Lord. Peter, you guys remember, puts on his outer garment, right? And he jumps into the sea, and he swims about 100 yards. And the Bible says in verse 8, But the other disciples came in a little boat, for they were not far from the land, about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then, as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it and bread. Now, we see how beautiful that Jesus has already prepared breakfast. Breakfast has already been prepared. Jesus looks at him and he says, Hey, bring some fish over here that you've caught. And Simon Peter went and dragged the net into the land full of fish 153. And I got to love John. Why? Because he gives us a number. I think if I'm writing it, I'm going, Does that really matter to the people? It was just a lot of fish. There's a lot but there was a lot of speculation on what 153 means. I don't have time to give them to you all, but we know that there was 153. It could have been 153 different species of fish. It could have been large ones. I don't know. But I do know that there was 153, although there were so many, it says the net wasn't broken. Here's my thought. Did John go count them? (laughs) One, two, three. I mean, I don't know, but he certainly knew. Probably the power of the Holy Spirit was like, that's 153. Okay, Lord, I'll... Take your word for it. But one of the things I see here, guys, and it's just the heart of the Lord. It's the heart of the Lord. Because when I read the story, I fully expect Jesus to reprimand Peter. I fully expect Peter to come on the shore, and he's looking at him, he's dripping wet, and Jesus go, Pete, you denied me three times, buddy. Is that what I mean to you? I thought we I thought we settled this, Peter. I told you. I, said, I I even warned you, Pete, that you were gonna did not, Oh, Pete, listen, um he doesn't do that. And I love the heart of the Lord. You know what he says to Peter?
2: He says, Peter, bring some fish. Let's have breakfast. Let's have breakfast. You go, Pastor, what's the point? Think about it, guys. Think about his heart.
1: Because oftentimes when we blow it, like Pete, we're waiting for that other shoe to drop. And the Lord looks at us with his grace and mercy. He goes, I know. I know. God, I blew it. Lord, I sinned. I committed iniquity. Lord, I just, I can't believe I did this again. And the Lord says,
2: I know. I still love you. Come on.
1: Guys, do you, you get that? Because so many people paint the Lord as, as, as just sitting there with his arms crossed, right? A spiritual billy club waiting for you to mess up again. And then he says, I told, how many times, I thought we dealt with this. He says, no, you know how I dealt with it? My arms are wide open and I was nailed to a cross. That's how, guys, that's, and that's the whole point, guys. When when you understand that and it goes deep in your soul, you're so in love with God. Why? Because you didn't deserve any of it and he loves you. He loves you to the utter ends of the world. And he's not mad at you. And, and again, I just love this. And he says, Pete, let's have breakfast. Come on, come on. And so Jesus, guys, in the seven are having breakfast. And I bet you not a word was being said. I would, I don't know. What would you say? What would you say? Oh, Lord, I was going to hang out at the cross, but <laughs> I ran. Well, what, what are we going to tell the risen Lord? I mean, you're just watching him. You're just watching him. And that's where we pick up our story today. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put yourself at the breakfast table, if you will. There you are. We're, there's a In your mind, guys, there's a big, big... Cold, there's fire, there's fish on it. Oh, it's so great. There's bread, you can smell it. Mmm, great bread. And now we're done eating, and so we're all gathered around. Everybody there? Okay, so put yourself in the story. That's where we pick it up, okay? Jesus is going to ask the disciples, but he's going to mainly focus on Peter, some questions. These are the same questions we have to ask ourselves. You ready? So look at verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast... Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs, feed my lambs. Now, at first read, we're just like, cool, cool. But, but let's, let's dig deep a little bit, guys. The first thing we notice, guys, is that they had finished breakfast. Jesus begins a dialogue with Peter. And, and, and although it says specifically Peter, we know that the disciples are listening, okay? They're all together, but he looks at Peter. And I don't know about you, but I'd be going, man, I'm glad he's talking to Peter, sheesh. But it's still for us. Can I get an amen? Okay, so let's chat for just a moment. The main reason, here's what you got to write down. The main reason of the narrative seems to be the restoration of Peter. In other words, the Lord is reminding Peter, and it's a beautiful application for us: is that He still loves Peter; He hasn't cast him out, and He wants to reiterate to others that Peter is still very much part of of, of His, uh, very much a vital part of the ministry. So everybody's kind of getting it. That's the narrative, okay? That's what's going on. And we also discover, and you know this, guys, that that the Lord's going to ask Peter three questions that seem to contrast the three denials just a few days earlier. So that's pretty cool. So that's pretty cool. But the first question we must entertain is when Jesus asked him, do you love me more than these? You guys see that? We have to entertain that. And you go, why? Here's why. The question itself contains vagueness or ambiguity. You go, Pastor, what does that mean? What is Jesus looking at? What does these mean? He's just, that's just a, it's just a vague question. But I want to give you some possibilities, okay? Picture there, there we are. Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me more than these? Now, first possibility could be this. Do you love me more than these other men do? Hey, Pete, do you love me more than these? Or, second possibility, guys, check this out. Second possibility is, do you love me more than you love these men? Very important. Why? Because when you spend three years together walking and eating and discipling and learning and growing, you tend to love your brothers. And so Jesus goes, Pete, do you love me more than these? Third possibility, guys, check this out. Jesus is looking at Peter and says, "Do you love me more than these things?" What things? The sea. Pete, do you love me more than the sea? Do you love me more than the boats, Pete? Do you love me more than the fish? I know that you grew up as a fisherman. Pete, do you love me more than
2: this than the lifestyle? How about the freedom?
1: What about the wealth that comes from this? Pete, do you love me more than these? And so again, it's just like, wow, so 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 he might be looking and he might be pointing to everything that Pete is familiar with, everything that he's put in his heart. And I'm sitting here going, oh, wow. Because Jesus seems to be pointing at all of these. And see, and it's the question that we have to take a step back in 2019 and ask ourselves. You go, what do you mean? Do we love Jesus more than anything? More than anything. You go, like what, Pastor? Well, again, if Jesus was sitting here and he looked at you and said, do you love me more than these? I mean, for us, it could be hobbies. It could be a hobby. I really love my hobby, whatever it might be. Whatever that hobby might be, he's asking you, do you love me more than these? And again, we have to be so careful because Jesus isn't saying, you can't have a hobby. If you follow me, you're going to have to be be 24-7 sincere. You can't even have any fun. Don't even smile. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, do you love me more than your... What's your hobby? What's your hobby? You go, what else? Well, think about it, guys. He might be asking us that that do we love Jesus... Now, here's one. Ready? More than material things. More than material things. Do you love me more than these? Or or, or what about, now remember, Pete was a fisherman. What if he says, do you love me more than your career? That's important. Why? Well, notice I didn't say job because there's a lot of people who don't like their job. (laughs) Do you love me more than your job? Of course not. I hate my job. I love you, Jesus. Get me out of this job. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a career. A career is something that you've put your heart and your soul and your life into. And Jesus says, do you love me more than your career? This Another thing that we could ask ourselves is Jesus looks at us, guys, and I think it's so important. Why? Because what if he looked and said, do you love me more than you love these men? And you know what I found on that? What if he's asking us, do we love him more than relationships? More than relationships. I tell every couple that comes in and says, hey, we want to get married. And I say, listen, you need to love Jesus more than you love her. You need to love Jesus more than you love him. And they always give me this look like, but we're in love. And it's like, no, you understand. You understand. And I think about relationships, guys, because I think every one of us has a relationships that we would lay down our lives for. Amen? Amen. We would. We would lay down our life. I mean, if it came between me and... Okay, I know this. I know in my life, guys, that when it comes to my wife... If it was between, I'm going to save her and I would gladly lay down my life for her. There's not even a question. Okay, I'm not going to push her out before me. I'm going to protect her. My children, I'm going to lay down my life before my children. That's how much they mean to me. My granddaughter, it's not even a question. I get it. But what Jesus wants to know is, am I willing to love him more than those? Do I love him more than those? And, and he's asking, do you love me more than these? And I think about, what about money? What about money? Do we love God more than money? And everybody would say, amen, pastor. That's why we're here, first service. It's, it's rock. But 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 think about it, guys. Think about it. There are so many of our brothers and sisters that are, if I could just get a little bit more, then I'll serve the Lord. And just money. and And, and I get it. I get it. I've talked to so many people that have grown up in poverty that now that they have a taste of money, they're not going back and they will do whatever it takes. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? How about freedom? Freedom. Think about this. Let's say, for the sake of our study, that all of a sudden, At 1015, the doors fling open, right? You have some people come in here with guns and badges and they say, listen, if you don't renounce Jesus, you are going to jail. You're done. You're not going to work tomorrow? Everything is gone. You're going to, do you love Jesus? All you have to do is say you don't love him. All you have to do is renounce him and you're free. Think about it, guys. Think about it. These are some tough questions because Jesus is looking at Peter and says, Peter, the life you're about to live for me, I need to know. Do you love me more
2: than these? And so he says, do you love me? Now, because the text
1: is so rich, guys, we got to labor. We got to press in just a little bit more, okay? Jesus asked Simon Peter, do you love me? Do you guys see that? But here's what I want you to do. In your Bible, I want you to circle the word for love right there, the very first in verse 15. Circle the word for love. Why? Because I want you to draw an arrow up, and I want you to write this, agape. Agape or agapeo, whichever you want to write. That's the word Jesus employs, agape. Right? Jesus employs, and you go, well, what does it mean? Jesus is asking Peter if he would agapeo me, love me. And you go, what does it mean? Remember, agape love or agapeo is the first word we need to understand is unconditionally. Unconditionally supernatural love. That's what it means. That's what it means. Jesus says, do you, Pete, agape, right? But it even goes even deeper. Check this out. The word agape love involves faithfulness, commitment, and an act of the will. So it's not just like, hey, do you love me? Yeah, I think you're all right. (laughs) I think you're cool and all. Yeah, I wouldn't, I mean, I don't mind having a Coke with you every now and then. No, no, no. It's like, listen, do you unconditionally? It's the same word that Paul uses, man. Man, it's the same word that Paul uses and he says, do you love your wives? Or you are to love, it's agape, it's unconditional, it's supernatural, it's faithfulness.
2: Commitment, and it's a choice. That's what he's telling us. That's what he's telling us. But but Pete Peter responds differently. Notice he says and
1: Pete, and he said to him, "Yes, Lord. You know that I love you." That's not the same word. If you want to circle that word, it's the love, it's the word phileo. Phileo, it's a different word. And it, it means brotherly, affectionate, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It's a different word. Jesus says, hey, Pete, do you agape me? And, and Pete goes, but you know, I phileo you, phileo you. And it's like, whoa, Pete, what's going on? What are you doing? And then Jesus looks at him and he says, okay, I get it, Pete. Would you just feed my lambs? Feed my lambs. Everybody see that? You go, what does that mean? Jesus is saying, it's pasture. Pasture my lambs. He's In other words, he's saying, give my sheep good grazing land. Feed them well. Feed them well. What's my motive to lay down my life in Lubbock, right? I love Jesus, and we are all called to lead others to good grass, to good food. That's what we're called to do. And i got to be honest with you. Sometimes your pastor has to do a heart check. You go, what do you mean? What's my main motive for serving Jesus? It must always start with a true love for him. That's what he's saying. He's saying, feed my lambs. Feed them. The word is nourish them. Supply their needs of their soul Tending to their spiritual welfare. It's an all inclusive meaning that points to caring with the heart in all sincerity. That's what the shepherd is supposed to do. He's asking Peter, Peter, be my shepherd, nourish my lambs. But in the same token, he's calling us as shepherds. Listen, church, one thing that I've learned, you ready? Is that I'm not here to build the church, I'm here to feed the sheep. And healthy sheep beget healthy sheep. But what I need your help in doing is to feed the sheep. Wait, what? Pastor, I thought you were the pastor. No, no, no. You understand what the book of Ephesians says, right? The book of Ephesians says, I'm here to equip you so that you all do the work of the ministry. And if you all are doing the work of the ministry, then you're leading other lambs to good good food, good nourishment, how do I do that, pastor? They're really simple. When they come and ask you a question, they say, hey, what, what do you think about this is what's going on in my life? Don't give them your opinion. Go to the word of God. Here's what God's word says. Here's what it is. You need to follow. Well, where did you know that? How did you know that? It's, in, it's I've been studying. Joe, how much do you remember here in each sermon? What's the statistic? Probably, 10%, Probably about 10% Joe says. So, we have to study on our own every single day. Amen? Amen. It's one thing to come in here and go, oh, that was a great great message. Pastor, amen. High five. Wonderful. You got to come. But if you're not studying even more, then God's going to, you got to lead other sheep to good grass, to good food. That's what he's saying. Pete, yes, sir. Feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. Pastor, I'm not good at talking, but I'm good at making money. Well, then you know what you can do with that money? Pour it into the ministry so that we can get the gospel out. I'm not real good at this, but I can build. Amen. Let's build this kingdom. Everybody doing their part, but feeding, feeding, good nourishment. Good nourishment. Everybody know what good nourishment is, right? Good food. Good food. Because I am a grandpa, and I don't really spoil my grandbaby, as he looks away, I will give her cotton candy. I will give her ice cream. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? That's not good nourishment. That's not good. That's, that's great to have. It's great to have. Last night, we jumped in the car, went over to the grocery store, pulled out some ice cream, went home and had a nice little ice cream cone. Oh, she ate it all. It wasn't good nourishment for her. What she needs is good nourishment. That's why they made yamas, and that's why they made mamas, so that grandpas could spoil them. But anyways, the point is good nourishment, good food, good food, good food. Verse 16, he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, look, it's different. Tend my lambs. Now, this is just a bit different. Jesus simply asked Peter, do you... Now, notice the word is agape, agapeo, okay? Agape. Same same question, Pete. Do you, do you love me? Do you agape me? Peter responds the same way. Yes, Lord, you know I phileo you. Okay? But, but you can imagine, right? You're amongst your peers. He asks you what? You're like, yes, Lord, I love you. But then he asks a second time. He's like, okay, what's he getting at? What's he getting at? If you haven't caught on by now, Jesus is restoring Peter, but he's doing it in a wonderful, repetitive way. Do you love me? Now, let me ask you a question, church. Jesus knows if we love him. Amen? Amen. He knows it. So when he asks us a question, it's not that he's going, oh, I didn't know, Tiffany. (laughs) Why didn't you tell me? He knows our hearts. But what he what does he want us to do? He wants us to see our own hearts in this, doesn't he? And so he asked Pete, "Pete, do you love me?" So Pete's got to go digging. He's got to go. He's got to go digging deeper than where the fish were. And so I say, "Yes, Lord. You know I. Oh, you know I fillet you,
2: Lord." And then and then I mean it's just I mean think about it. Think about it. Yes, Lord, I have great affection and brother. Guys, can I just say this? There's not
1: a whole lot of times I want to be like Peter, but right here, I want to be like Peter. You go, Pastor, I'm not sure what do you mean. How so? I love that he's so honest with Jesus. He's honest. Because here's the thing. If Jesus was looking at me and said, Ben, do you agape me? Yes, Lord, I agape you. Even if I don't, I want to please him. I wanna but Pete's honest. Pete's going, I can't say it. I can't, Lord, I I denied you. I I love you, I have a lot of affection for you, but I know who I am. I'm blowing it, man. I'm I'm a mess. I'm a mess. And you go, well, what's the application? Well, grab this, guys. You guys know this, and I'm so proud of you, but you realize that religion is man reaching up to God, right? That's what religion is. And we're not religious in here, are we? Christianity is God reaching down to man, thank you, Jesus but I want to show you something. I want to show you something. So religion is us trying to reach the standard of God, right? Many times in our lives, if we're not careful, we can become religious with Jesus. Ben, what are you saying? We keep trying to reach a standard that he never set. We're trying to reach a standard. Now, I want you to hold that thought. Okay, think about the religion. Because Jesus says, okay, hold on. He says, tend my sheep. Now, that's different. The word tend there means to take care of. Shepherd them, guide them, help them. Pete, they're going to need you. They're going to need you. And being a shepherd is so important. Why? Because that's what God calls me to do. Listen, when you text me and say, please pray for so-and-so, that's my job. That's my calling. That's what I need to do. I'm shepherding the sheep. And let me just say this. This is not a life that you would want to choose it's a calling. And you go, why? Because, because the, emotional, the emotion that happens in the body of Christ with people's lives can have you excited one moment and crying the next. It's a lot. And I'm still learning to take the burdens and say, God, it's you. Please take them. I can't carry them. People come in and say, they're just broken because of an affair. And lives are shattered. I had to sit. I had to sit on the couch out here one day years ago. And I'm sitting there with a couple, older couple. And she's crying, and and, and she has to confess to her husband that she's had an affair.
2: And I'm watching him just break. Just break. But she knew she had to do it. Pastor, I, I, you have to. You have to move past this. So being a shepherd, taking care of the sheep, it's a calling.
1: It's a calling. As a matter of fact, it's an awesome responsibility to shepherd the flock of God. Look what Peter tells us. First Peter 5 2 says, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers... Not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Why, Pastor? Guys, there are enemies that want to destroy the flock, and the shepherd must be alert and courageous. Do you understand? Do you understand? The more our church is attacked, the more we are attacked individually, is because we're making headway in the kingdom of God. We're seeing people saved. We're seeing people set free. We're seeing people grow in the knowledge of God. You go, okay, because again, think about it. That's what the enemy wants to do. You know, the enemy wakes up every morning and says, man, I wish Calvary Chapel wasn't here. Because they're committed to teaching verse by verse through the word of God. I wish they were not here. I wish they would entertain more than they would teach. That's what he does because he wants to kill, guys. He wants to kill. But that's why God puts shepherds. Sheep are ignorant and defenseless by nature, and they need protection, guidance of the shepherd. Now, it's true the Holy Spirit equips people to serve as shepherds, but he gives these people to churches. But it's also true that every individual Christian must help care for the flock. I was sitting out one day and a sister was here and, and she'd come in, we were cleaning, and a sister came into my office and was telling me about the problem she was having, and and I was listening, and then and then she went and told other sisters, and those sisters just ministered to her for an hour and a half. And it's not that I got out of it, it's just that individual Christians were helping care for the flock. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. see guys, it's not all up to me. Cause here's the thing, you know the word as much as I know the word. You can you can minister. And and nothing brings my heart joy than to see you just ministering to people the same way I would. Oh, amen. 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 You know that sheep are prone to wander, right? And we must look after each other and encourage each other. Verse 17 says, Then he said to me a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now tune in, Christian. Three times, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Jesus now changes something. Look at that. Look at verse 17. He says, he says Simon, son of Jonah, and he uses this word. He, he uses the word phileo. He doesn't use the word agape. He says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you phileo me? Oh, my goodness, that just breaks. That just, I just love that. I, that just warms my heart. Why? Because you can almost pick Jesus, reach down to the heart of Peter and to us and say, Okay, Pete, I know that agape is hard for you right now. So do you phileo me? Do you have that brotherly? And I'm just like, wow. Wow. Of course, this is, we got Pete's classic reaction, don't we?
2: Frustrated. He's like,
1: oh, you know, I love, you know, all things, Lord, you know that I phileo you. Guys, think about it. If religion is man reaching up to God, God says, no, no, no. I know you can't reach that standard. I'm going to reach down to you. Pete, do you, do you phileo me? Oh, Lord, I phileo you. Okay, Pete, I got you. I got you. And he says this. He says, he says feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed, pasture them, mature sheep need good food as well. Here's what happens. Just like a little baby's born, the same thing happens when you're born again. When you get born again and you get saved, you're just a baby. And so you have to nourish them. You have to give them good food, right? I've never seen, I've never seen a, a obstetrician. Is that the baby's doctor? Is that, is that what it is? Pediatrician. Pediatrician. Whoever delivers a baby. Whoever says, hey, bad bad. Anyways, so I've never seen the baby come out and the doctor go, oh, there it is, okay. Say, don't feed him, don't do nothing. He says, mama, feed him, nourish him. They're gonna grow. They're gonna grow. It's the same thing with us, guys. We gotta feed them. But then what happens is when you get your age and you've been walking, you still need, but you're, you're eating different food, aren't you? Okay, if you're still having a bottle at your age, we've gotta talk. It's a whole nother sermon. But the point is, we're eating solid food. We're eating good stuff to help us grow. Some of us are eating donuts, but that that's, goes back to the other part. And so he says, now, now notice what he says. Guys, listen. He says, feed my lambs, okay? They're little. They're babies. Got to feed them. And he says, tend my sheep. Make sure you guide them. And he says, even the older folks, keep pouring into them. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Here's what I want you to write in your Bible, if you don't mind. One thing we must grasp. Jesus is speaking, and these are his sheep. You go, what do you mean? Guys, they're not mine. I have a ministry, but I need to realize that ultimately you belong to Him. You're His sheep. You're his sheep. And some of you are lambs, right? And others are sheep.
2: Listen to your shepherd. Listen to your shepherd.
1: And then God does something very interesting. He he gives a warning to shepherds. Notice verse 18. He says, Pete, most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you're old... You will stretch out your hands, and others will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Can I get an amen? amen. That's what happens, right? And I tell people, it's like when we're young, we're like, boom, I'm going where I want, and, and nobody can tell me what to do. And then we get older, and it's like, okay. And then life gets harder as we get older. He says, man, then they take you where you don't want to go, <laughs> Right? They take you to the doctor and but but here's what he's saying. Jesus spoke this signifying by what death that Peter would glorify God. And then when he had spoken this, he looks at Peter and says, Follow me. Follow me. Feeding, tending, shepherding sheep is a tough job. And here we see the prediction of, of Peter's career, if you will. What's that? A new direction, a new danger, and even a violent death. Even a violent death says, Pete, you know what? This is what's going to happen to you. He turns to Peter with application for us, and he says, do you understand? Are you still going to follow me? Are you still going to follow me? And this is actually in the present imperative tense, which means, like, keep on following me. Keep on following me. And this is great instruction for us because there are so many times when we want to give up, when we want to check out, when we're done. And the Lord says, no, no, keep following me. It's not
2: going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. Guys, that's what he's saying. And then
1: think about Pete. How did Pete die? Pete died on a cross, but not just a normal cross. He actually was crucified upside down.
2: Pete, when
1: you were young, you, you went fishing, you did what you wanted to do, man. You had your life ahead of you, but right but there's a
2: day coming where Pete Someone else is gonna get you dressed and someone else is gonna gird you in. It's gonna carry you where you don't wanna go. I wanna close. Our Bible study with this guys do you do you love Jesus more than these As the worship team comes back up, saw the worship team coming up? My my question is this, guys. Could we be a group in Lubbock like Peter?
1: A group of people who would be willing to follow Jesus if it means to forsake all other things. If Jesus looked you straight in your eyes and said, man, you're not going to make a whole lot of money, but, but, but we're going to have a blast. You're never going to make six figures. But man, I've got a ministry for you. You're going to lose some of your very best friends. But I'll, I'll be there by your side. I promise. Hey, you're not going to get promoted at work because they don't love me like you love me. Or what if church? The day is coming. What if the day is coming when we would would be forced to choose? Between our own lives and our love for Jesus. What if that day's coming? My, my prayer is that I would equip you so you go, it's not, that's a no brainer. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Yeah, but right outside those doors are, are some wooden crosses. And, and if you don't renounce the Lord, you're going to be crucified right outside those doors. Who's in? I'm in. I'm in. If that's what Jesus requires, I'm in. If that's what Jesus wants, I'm in. I love him. I love him. You see, following Jesus reminds us that it's not about this life. It's about Jesus. See the formula for us is simple. You go, what's that? Well, Luke chapter 10 verse 27 so Jesus answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and then your neighbor as yourself. He, he just love the Lord. Love the Lord. I pray there's not I pray there's not a day that we walk out these doors that we're going to be confronted with with our love for Jesus or not. I pray that God looks at you and finds favor and He gives you the promotion that you want and He and He blesses you financially. I pray for that day, but we gotta love Jesus so much that even if that doesn't happen, we're still gonna follow you. That's my
2: prayer. That's my prayer.
1: How are we gonna turn Lubba, Texas upside down in 2019? Love God. Love people and live radically. That's how we're going to do it. Father, thank you for your word this morning and the truth in your word. Thank you for restoring Peter and us. Thank you, God, that you're in control of all things. And so we love you this morning. We would love you, God. We're not sure what that means, Lord, but help us solidify that love, Lord, myself included, Lord. I love you. And yet in my life, There are times that you can't tell. I'm sorry. So this morning, God,
2: we love you. In Jesus' name.